Relying on someone who doesn't know you or your situation to give you specific financial advice is just plain dumb. That's why everything said on this show is just helpful information. If you want specifics, give us a call. All opinions expressed here are ours. GenWealth Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIPC. We are focused on providing you education, motivation, and encouragement for your financial future. And today we are heavy on the education part. We're lifting the hood on a proposed law in Congress called the SECURE Act. How it would change the retirement savings landscape and how it could affect you. This is the Get Ready for the Future show. And a good Saturday morning all across the state of Arkansas. Welcome in to another edition of the Get Ready for the Future show. We are glad to have you along. The GenWealth team has assembled around the oval table. Once again, as we get set to talk finances today, Teresa Arago to my left. Good morning. Good morning to you. And to my right, John Shrewsbury. Good morning. And to his right, Janet Walker. Good morning. Everybody ready to go today? We are. We're de- we're doing a deep dive today on uh, some legislation, and we've talked a little bit, John, about it before uh, on some previous Get Ready for the Future show broadcast. But we're kind of really going deeper than we ever have on the Secure Act. Now, if you're not familiar with the Secure Act, it is certainly not law yet, and in fact, it's a long way from being law. It has passed. The House of Representatives, uh, overwhelmingly, in fact, mm-hmm. uh, back in May, it is clogged right now in the Senate, and there are some issues that are being worked out. So we don't know if ultimately these changes that we're going to talk about on the program today are actually going to happen, but we're going to give you our take on if they did, are they a good idea or a bad idea for you, and we're also going to get a fourth or fifth party take on that as well. James Lang will be joining us in the Get Ready for the Future show a little bit later on in our final segment. He's an attorney and a CPA and has authored a book called The Retirement Plan Owner's Guide to Beating the New Death Tax. And he's written extensively for Forbes uh, on this act. So he's obviously looked under the hood as well. But when you basically boil it down, John, there are some things that we would say are probably pretty good ideas. And there are some things in here that we think are really bad ideas. Well, I think that you've got to to really understand what's going on sort of behind the curtain, if you will, right. mm-hmm. in this in this act, because I think that there are motivations here that are not really very clear if, if you just take a, a, a surface level look at, at this act. And and let me just say on the outset that, that I'm going to be pretty cynical about this. I, I am not happy about what the, the people in Congress are trying to do here, because because they are basically telling you, hey, pay attention to this over here, but don't pay attention to what's going on behind the curtain. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to allow yeah. you to to really see what the real motivation is, but we're going to dangle this pretty little carrot out here for you so you feel like you're getting something, but you're really getting the shaft in, in, in yeah. a lot in of cases. In some parts here. of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's so, just like so many other pieces of legislation that, that's go, what through, I was thinking. Yeah, that go through Washington. There's enough good in it that, again, they get you to look look at the good part, but mm-hmm. there are some parts in it that are not going to be helpful for you. And well, I think if you didn't know enough about those things already, yeah. the, the average investor out there is not going to understand the impact of some of these changes without some help. I, I want to first of all talk about this because the 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 title of this act uh, is <laughs> the, the setting every community up for retirement enhancement. Well, bull. <laughs> I'm sorry. They needed an acronym. Well, they, somebody gets paid needed. a lot someone of money. Someone wanted to name it the Secure Act, and then they had to come up with how they could make that work. Yeah, right. Some yeah. bureaucrat in Washington gets paid a lot of money to put labels on these things, mm-hmm. and 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 it, this doesn't do any of that. Well, and let me just say, it is not the government's job to make me feel secure in retirement. Mm-hmm. That's my job for mm-hmm. me to make to take my responsibility about my retirement and say I'm going to handle it. Now, and here's the thing about this the Secure Act: it passed the House of Representatives overwhelmingly. 417 to 3. Mm-hmm. And it, I've got to believe it's because either A, nobody read it, or B, that 
they read it and went, oh, yeah, this is a good sleight of hand, and we'll, we'll go ahead and pass this thing. Or they just those... read the title and said, oh, yeah, we're setting people up for retirement. Sounds great. Yeah. Yes. Is that one of those, we have to pass this thing so we can find out what's in it? Well, basically. <laughs> but, but here's what this does. Uh, number one, it says that it could help small employers band together to create efficient 401k plans. I, I first of all don't know why small employers would need to band together to do efficient 401k plans because for years yeah. there mm-hmm. have been what are called simple IRA plans that Which is are what we have what are, we have it here at Gen Wealth and they are small business 401k plans essentially right and it's a way for an employer to give a matching contribution to employees we don't have employers adopting what we already have and mm-hmm. now we're going to create something new well and frankly we don't need the federal government stepping into it um, I, as an example this is something we haven't even talked about yet as a team but I was traveling recently in Missouri and when you're in Missouri, you pick up from time to time Illinois commercials. And they were talking about in the state of Illinois, the uh, ability to have small businesses join together for a group 401k. So there are states that mm-hmm. are already answering this challenge of how to have something in addition to a simple IRA, like small businesses already have the ability to do. I get it. It gives you the ability to contribute more, but we don't need the mixture of what's in the secure act well and and i just i would say that that if we had massive adoption of the simple program uh if employers were willing to do that Mm -hmm. then you know that's an easy way for a very low cost way for an employer to do a a retirement plan I, i don't see the point here the other thing that it does is it increases the age limits for contributions to tax-deferred accounts, which, I, you know, okay, I, I'm okay with that, it, but the impact is not going to secure no. anybody's retirement. It, it gives you another couple of years to contribute. That's not going to make or break you. Uh, the other thing that I think is really kind of curious about this is that uh, it really hasn't been discussed quite as much, but there is a provision in the bill that encourages the uh, option of 401k plans having annuities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I, I love the, the duplicitous nature of this because, <laughs> you know, the government will tell you that annuities are complex products and you have to have all of these disclosures and all of this crap that, <laughs> that people really have are, are just bedazzled by all the paperwork that's involved in an annuity sale. And now you're going to stick it in a 401k plan? And yeah. what's the portability of that? If you're going to have an annuity, it is something that you want to have for a lifetime. It has a purpose. And the yes. problem with putting it in a 401k is you might have a 25-year-old now with an annuity they don't need it at 25. No, not yeah. at all. So what's the point? if Because people are already not educated about their options in their employer plan. Well, uh, and, and what are the details on the annuity? Because mm-hmm. that matters tremendously. There is, I'm going to leave this unnamed for professionalism, but there is a retirement plan that we see frequently um, offered by a certain type of employer, and it has an annuity inside mm-hmm. of it. Not everybody has it inside of their plan, but they have the ability to have this annuity inside side of this. And if they have it, it has a 10-year surrender period, meaning if you retire and you haven't begun to move money out of that, it will take you 10 years to get all of the money out. And yeah. and my phrase on that is God himself can't change it, meaning mm-hmm. there is no exception. There is no, okay, I'll take it, but I'll take it with a surrender penalty. You cannot get it out. And how many people actually knew that existed? That I, I have met like two or three in my career who knew it, and we have met with countless people who had it. Mm-hmm. So my deal is, look, seriously, I can't believe I'm about to say this on the air but look for the screw job in this because there's one there it it just is and I'll, i'll say to wrap this up for this segment details matter Mm-hmm. And obviously, they're not looking at the details of this. They are basically putting a Band-Aid on something that they think they know something about, but they really don't. And then when you get to the real onerous part of the SECURE Act, we haven't even touched that yet. Mm-hmm. When you get to the real part of it, you'll find out that middle-class people that are wanting to leave their inher- uh, their IRAs for inheritance to their children are really getting the business on this. Lifting the hood on the SECURE Act, it has made its way through the House, has not been up for a vote yet in the Senate. We'll talk a little bit more about what's in that act when we come back on the Get Ready for the Future show next. Smarter, simpler, and more personal. 
The Get Ready for the Future show continues after this. Do you worry about retiring? How much is enough? Can I achieve my retirement goals? Hi, I'm Scott Inman for Genwell Financial Advisors, and we've been helping Arkansans retire for 14 years. Get answers in less time than it takes to check social media. Visit 15minuteretirement.com, and we'll gather some information, analyze your success rate, and provide the coaching for any needed changes. Type 15minuteretirement.com to get started on your 15-minute retirement checkup today. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Investments and economics move at the speed of light. And we've got the latest information you need to know to stay ahead of the game. From GenWealth Financial Advisors, it's the fastest four minutes in investing. Not that we are profits by any stretch of the imagination. But oh, last no. week, we sat here on the fastest four minutes in investing and talked about August is typically one of the worst months of the year over the last 10 or 15 years in the stock market. Well, lo and behold, it has been a bad week for the stock market in the U.S. It has, and it really reminds me of of my episodes of travel. I, I do a lot of traveling as a result of our business, and and I'm on airplanes a lot. And so, you know, oftentimes that ride is really smooth. You, you just take off, and you get a very smooth ride, and you land, and everything's great. Sometimes you know from the get-go, though, that you're going to have a rough ride. It is bumpy the entire way there. And sometimes it fakes you out. And sometimes you're, you're cruising along and everything's good, and you hit one of these big air pockets, they call it, and the plane feels like it drops thousands of feet. It doesn't really do that, but it just feels like the bottom fell out from under you. And that's kind of how the feeling was on Monday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was actually traveling and got to the airport and looked on the phone, and I was like, holy cow, look at this. The, the Dow was down like uh, – uh, something like three uh, percent uh-huh. on Monday, and then Wednesday there was more volatility after an update on Tuesday. So the volatility is there. So this has gotten our attention. I'm sure it's gotten your attention. We're making some changes to portfolios here at GenWealth. So if you're a client of GenWealth, you will see some changes in, and making uh, some changes in some of those portfolios. So you'll see some statements that with some activity on them. But it's all about really to dampen this volatility a little bit. We don't. Don't think that there's again, Scott, anything fundamentally wrong with the economics out there. Yeah, the S and P 500 typically does do this too. Just to put some things in context, it has declined an average of 14 percent from peak to trough since 1990. And even in positive years, years when the market is overall up, the index has dropped an average of 11% during the year. So again, just to reaffirm, there is a difference between looking at the markets and thinking about what might happen and looking at the markets and seeing what actually is, because it really is a little schizophrenic. In fact, when you think about a few days ago, back in late July, the S&P was going up because they expected this Fed rate cut, right? They yeah. expected the Feds to cut rates. They cut rates and the market goes down. Yeah, and a lot of this is is uh, as a result of the trade war that, yep. that is going on with Trump and the Chinese. The underlying economy, though, is still pretty solid. We've seen that the uh, earnings reports have come in from companies, and they're still they're actually better than expected. If you take a look at the economic growth, the inflation, interest rates are low. The second quarter earnings, as I said, better than expected. The big uh, tempest in the teapot is this trade thing going on. And frankly, Scott, I don't see that settling down anytime soon. And when you have a market that is long in the tooth like this one is, and really a a hair trigger uh, media that basically inflates every tweet that comes out from the president on this issue, you're going to have some volatility because we are very reactionary to those pieces of news that come out in this trade battle. Yeah, and the reality is nothing has really changed yet when it comes to that. This is all a battle. It's all a talk. It's all ultimately going to shake out one way or the other, and then we'll know. Then we'll be able to see guidance on how that's going to affect the overall economy. But we still continue to believe eventually markets return to fundamentals. Yeah, they do. And and that's why we are still pretty strong on stocks. We do want to dampen some volatility. So we will be making some changes in some portfolios here at GenWealth to try to dampen that, but also to give us an opportunity to potentially, in a big downturn, yeah. go back in and buy some equities at cheaper prices to hopefully long-term get a better result for you as far as the investment results are concerned. Well, that's it. We're out of time on the fastest four minutes in investing. We thank you for watching on social 
social media and listening on the Get Ready for the Future show. Our radio program continues on the other side of this break. Want to know what goes on in the studio? During this break, go subscribe to the Gen Wealth Financial Advisors YouTube channel and get all the straight talk on retirement, investments, and your money. You ain't heard nothing yet. Buckle up, because we're back with the Get Ready for the Future show. If you can't tell, the panel is a little fired up today. We're talking about the SECURE Act. This is uh, a bill that is aimed to be law that has passed the House of Representatives, but is uh, clogged in the Senate right now. So a long way from becoming a law, but we're going under the hood of of it today and kind of talking about some of the things it proposes And we did that in the last segment. We're going to do it in the next two. And then we will be joined in the final segment of today's show by James Lang. He's a contributor for Forbes and has written a couple articles uh, on this SECURE Act. Hey, do want to take a moment to remind you, we mentioned that education is certainly the focus of today's show, giving you information about this SECURE Act. But education is always the focus of our Gen Wealth Academy workshops. And we always have one just around the corner and they're getting closer. We took August off. Uh, We knew it was back to school time and the last uh, blast of summer, so we gave you that month off. But we're coming full throttle in September with three Gen Wealth Academy workshops. Two are focused on the three big risks that every retiree will face in America. And they are coming up at North Little Rock, September 10th at 6.30 at the Saddle Creek Wood-Fired Grill. And also in Hot Springs at the Embassy Suites there in the Spa City, September 17th at 6.30. Three big risks. What are they? And some possible strategies to take them on as challenges in retirement. If you want to join us, it's absolutely free to attend. We would certainly encourage you that if you're in the retirement red zone, if you're about 10 years or less away from deciding to retire, you'll want to be there with us to learn about these risks you'll face and how maybe to position your assets to take those on. September 10th, North Little Rock, September 17th in Hot Springs. And then the big one at the Crown Plaza in Little Rock on September 12th at 6.30. That one is going to be market-driven. And our special guest is the senior market strategist for LPL Research, Ryan Dietrich. He joins us on this program once a month or so. So you probably have heard him on the Get Ready for the Future show. Well, we, through discussions uh, with that segment that we record with him through the year, had been talking to him about bringing him to Little Rock. And Ryan keeps a pretty busy travel schedule, so it was probably not the easiest thing to lock down. But he has he didn't he tell us he'd never been to Arkansas? He's never been to so Arkansas. So this is going to be his first trip to Arkansas. We have to call the hogs while he's here, just so you know. And we want a big crowd. We want a big crowd there. Yeah. If you have any questions and about uh, where the market's headed, and I think people probably have more questions this Saturday than they did last Saturday. <laughs> oh, sure. It's been a rocky week in the stock yep. market, to say the least. But the long-term look of the rest of 2019 and maybe even beyond, Ryan will be with us on September 12th. You can sign up for free for any Gen Wealth Academy workshop by going to GetReadyForTheFuture.com. You can also call us at 501-653-7355. Again, it's 501-653-7355, and we can sign you up uh, for one of those workshops. Always free to attend. So back to our program today, talking about going under the hood of the SECURE Act. I want to revisit just a little bit of the tail end of our last segment. We were talking about the provision that is not being discussed as much about putting annuities or making them available inside of employer plans. And I just want to throw my two cents in there, too, because when I read this, the first thing I thought about was a story that I shared Mm -hmm. many times on this program about when I first started my 401k at at KATV and began picking my own investments with no financial advisor. And keep in mind, that's what a lot of people do, right? You're in your 401k and you may not have an advisor and you're doing this all on your own. We've talked many times about how you're handed the keys to the car with no directions on how to drive. Mm -hmm. I made some bad decisions, some some, uh, fun choices in my 401k that were not appropriate for where I was in life, you yeah. mentioned it already. Something in your in your twenties, I was mm-hmm. picking uh, bond funds because it said high yield. <laughs> I use your story a lot when right. I'm meeting with clients because I mean I was excited. High mm-hmm. yield, everybody wants high yield, right? Mm-hmm. But there was a bond fund, a fixed income fund that was not going to really provide the growth I needed for mm-hmm. long term. Think about that if I'm coming in and and you're in your twenties. And you look at that and you say, oh, I can get an annuity. Oh, lifetime income? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I don't have any money in it, but I don't, it's not going to be much of a lifetime income. But, yeah, I want that security. And you're 25, 26 years old mm-hmm. buying an annuity in your 401k. Well, and it's great that the government's finally recognizing what we've been telling people for a long time. And it's that income is the problem. Right. But we yes. got to solve it the right way. 
We've got to give them the right tools. And it's all in context. You know, if you, if you use the wrong tool in the wrong situation, then you got a problem. You're, you're Mm going to mess something up. I know that I, when I was young, I was trying to learn how to work on things and, you know, I would think, okay, well, this is, this screw kind of looks like a nail. So I'll just take a hammer to it. You know, (laughs) so my daddy would have beaten you. Well, my daddy did beat me, but that, you know, that's the, uh, that's the thing that you do when you don't understand. And what you're working with. So let's draw the comparison here. So we use annuities when needed to mm-hmm. provide a guaranteed income stream. So if somebody has, let's say, Social Security income, but they don't have a pension and they need more guaranteed income than Social Security will provide, then we'll put an annuity as part of their plan so that they have enough guaranteed income coming in. However, another benefit of an annuity is the tax sheltered growth. Mm-hmm. So I'm 47. If I, if if I won the lottery, I don't play, so likelihood is pretty low that I'm not going to win. I'm but let's play boat. along. You know, <laughs> if I won the lottery, this is non-qualified money, mm-hmm. meaning non-retirement money. Okay, I would probably take some of that and put it into an annuity, even at a young age of 47, just to be able to get the tax-deferred growth. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about retirement plans right. here, mm-hmm. not lottery money. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. this is qualified money, meaning it already qualifies for special tax treatment. So the annuity gives no tax benefit inside of a 401k and a 25-year-old is too young to to be planning for the guaranteed income stream. Frankly, at my age of 47, I'm too young for an annuity at right now mm-hmm. for the purpose of planning my guaranteed retirement income. So you got two to three decades that you can be contributing to a 401k when you don't even need to say the word annuity. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you understand what it is, but you don't need one yet. And, and we all know that they're not all created equal. That's and true. These individuals are yeah. not yeah. getting to choose which company to go with. We've that's seen right. the gotchas. We've seen the contracts that aren't worth them. the paper they're written on. Yeah. So that was one of my big concerns when I saw that particular measure. The answer is not an annuity. It's mm-hmm. who needs it, which annuity, and yeah. when, right? Yes. There's a lot of factors yeah. in play there. Okay, so off that, on to the next thing. It, the There is some good news here we like about the SECURE Act. We, we referred to it in the first segment. It eliminates the cutoff age of 70 and a half for traditional IRA contributions so obviously that's not going to make a huge impact on your retirement, but if you are working later in life and you're still trying to catch up, that does give you a little bit of more time to continue to add to your retirement savings. You know, Roth IRAs have allowed contributions past 70, but now workers of any age could contribute to both traditional and Roth IRAs should this act pass. And I think it's worth throwing this stat in there. An estimated 19% of American individuals ages 70 to 74 are still working. So it's not a bad deal. It's not a bad deal, but I think this is a very classic example of dangling something mm-hmm. that yeah. looks shiny in front of the public to get them lured into this and say, well, that's good. That's good. Let's let's go ahead and pass this, but not telling them a lot about what the underlying problem yes. is that we'll really unveil in the third segment. All right. So another one. It makes it easier for older high-income Americans to do a backdoor Roth conversion as a way to bypass the income limitations for a Roth IRA. Now that was a mouthful, so oh, let's so that's a lot of words. Let's, let's back up a down. little bit. And, I, and honestly, I'm not really sure how it makes it easier because it was not really apparent to me reading these articles because it already exists. So yeah. there, yeah. the Roth IRA contributions are limited by your income. Yeah. If direct you, contributions. Direct contributions clear. to a Roth IRA, you can only make up to a certain income that you make. So for high-income Americans, they cannot, as we'd say, go in the front door of mm-hmm. a Roth IRA. However, if they do not have other IRA money, it can be very attractive to contribute to a traditional IRA because there's no limits, no income mm-hmm. limits on that. You can't get the tax deduction if Correct. your income goes up, but you can still make the contribution and then convert it to a Roth IRA. And if you drop in a cash contribution and don't invest it and immediately convert it to a Roth IRA, there's not a taxable event there because the only thing that's taxable is the earnings. So it's a very attractive backdoor Roth IRA contribution, but that had already existed. So I'm not exactly sure 
how this act is going to make it easier. Well, and I read the entire act and I never saw anything that seemed to word it where it was going to simplify that process either, honestly. So that's probably a little tricky in the interpretation there. Can we send Teresa to Congress? She read the entire act. <laughs> She's one of very I was few. writing the blog, so how, I needed to understand what all was in there. Yeah, I'm just I'm just not sure how many people who voted for it have read the entire thing. The Good three job. people who voted against it may have. <laughs> yeah. It's possible. The 417 that voted for it may not have. I don't know. That's very simplistic. Okay, another one. It increases the R&B age to 72. We've talked about this before on the program. That allows, of course, a, a longer time for traditional IRA owners to grow their savings. Currently... You are required to start withdrawing your money from the uh, IRA, a portion of it, a, a percentage of it, by April 1st of the year after you turn 70 and a half. And that's because all that money uh, has been brought in, If especially if it was rollover from an employer plan or the tax mm-hmm. deduction was taken. It's considered pre-tax money. So the IRS wants their money and they start beginning to require you to take it out so that it can be taxed at 70 and a half. This would bump it. Up to 72. Again, not a huge difference, but it does allow people who don't want to take retirement yeah. savings out uh, a way to delay that. And this is the big carrot that they're that they're really promoting, <clears throat> pardon me here, that, hey, look, we're going to push these onerous RMDs back right, right. from 70 and a half to 72. Okay, well, basically you get a couple of years uh, of reprieve from having to take an RMD. But what do you give up? In order to get that, mm-hmm. the the thing that you you kind of get a flavor of as you read through this act is it's a money grab. Yes. It is a way for Congress to get rid of a lot of the pre tax incentives of retirement savings and give over to after tax things and things that actually generate revenue for Congress, which is really the the impetus of this whole thing is it's a revenue raise for Congress. Here's one of the questions I have that we haven't seen yet is what is the required minimum distribution going to be? What percentage? So are they going to change the calculations? Yeah, exactly. We're delaying it a couple of years. Right now, when you take the first one, it's 3.65%. Does Ah, it increase? There there you have hit on, we've got to pass a bill to see what's in it. Exactly. Because here's what will happen. The bureaucrats, the not, not the congressional people, but the yeah. people that actually write the detailed legislation in the yes. Federal Register, mm-hmm. they will come in and actually do all of this after the act passes. So you don't really know what yeah. that RMD might look like. Yeah, if it starts at 5%, it. we're going to be ticked. Yeah. You know? They'll have to interpret it and, and come up with what the law becomes from these measures. And that's, that's where it gets a little scary yeah. for me. Because mm-hmm. you never know where that's going to end up for our investors. Right. But the real money grab, and we're going to talk about that on the other side of the break, is the change in the inheritance or the passing to the next generation of that IRA. So we're talking about moving up the required minimum distribution for original IRA owners. But what about when you inherit it? We'll talk about that next. There's more straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money right after the break. Stick around. I'd be rich. From the Gen Wealth Radio Network Studios, we're back with more of the Get Ready for the Future show. Lifting the hood today on the Secure Act, a bill working its way through Congress that may or may not ultimately become law, but it is being billed or being promoted as an enhancement to Americans' retirement. But uh, we have kind of lifted the hood and seen some problems with it, but no bigger problem than the one we're going to talk about in this segment. We, we mentioned in the last segment when it comes from a tax revenue standpoint, standpoint you got to always believe that the government, any, any change that they make these days is going to be uh, coming from a standpoint of being additive to the tax revenue coffers for them. They are backing up in this bill. The RMD age to 72, allowing for someone to not take a required minimum distribution for another year and a half or so. However, as Janet pointed out in the last segment, we don't know what the percentage will be, what percentage the RMD will be required to be at 72. It may be higher than it was going to be or currently is. But the bigger the bigger tax grab here or money grab, as you call it, John, is the fact that when you inherit an IRA. So if you have uh, someone who has a, a big IRA and they don't end up spending much of it, they pass away and they pass it on to say someone in their 40s, their, their child in their 40s. Right now, that is 
uh, allowed to be stretched out over that new owner's life. You're able to take less taxes out because you don't take it out very quickly. They're going to eliminate that provision in this act. Yeah. So let's say that you have, I don't know, a million dollars in your IRA account and your intention is to pass that on to your child. And, and maybe you, you, uh, your spouse has already predeceased you and you want to be sure that that money goes to your kid. So under the current law, that million dollars, if you pass away, that million dollars can be inherited by your child. There is no immediate taxation on that money. They have to take a required minimum distribution from that, which amounts to, to a very small amount that they have to take out and pay tax on in that year. But the rest of that, Janet, can grow yeah. tax deferred for the lifetime of that child and can actually be a blessing to that child yeah. in terms of their own retirement. I'll tell you one of my favorite stories, and we have countless people who are, you know, the second generation who have inherited an IRA from their parents and they're receiving something monthly or maybe annually. But one of my favorites is um, this lady, her, her dad passed away and left her with this IRA. And, and she said, you know, I look at this and it's about $400 every month that I get. And she said, the way I look at that is my daddy's paying for my car for the rest of my life. You know, and she had tears rolling down her face. And it's not that she needed it. It was just, you know, that the emotional impact of being able to hang on to that, still reflective of her father's name for the rest of her life. But then when we look at the, the financial impact, yeah. when we look at the tax impact, let's go back to, John, your example of a million dollars. Let's say you have one child, so it simplifies everything in this example. Currently, they can stretch that out over their lifetime. Now, if they want to take it all and expose it all to taxes, they have that ability mm -hmm. now, but they're not forced to do that. Under the new law, it will be limited to a 10-year period of time. I need yeah. everybody listening very carefully right now because all of the planning that we've done and other financial advisors mm -hmm. have done and attorneys have done inside of your trusts, this is going to alter that. Yeah. So if you now have a million dollars that gets inherited through a traditional IRA, it goes to that next generation, to the child, then now they have to, and let's simplify and assume no growth, okay, for easy math, each year they're going to have to pull out one hundred thousand dollars a year and expose it to taxes and that is on top of their working income that's the key is yes. it's earned income so you're yep. taking your child's income now and increasing it by a hundred thousand dollars what is that going to do to them from a tax yeah. standpoint? so average arkansan i haven't looked at this in a while but last i heard average arkansan made about forty five thousand dollars a year so if you add a hundred thousand to that let's just round it up so that's a total of a hundred and fifty thousand dollars now what does that do to them tax wise what, what does it do to all of that money that you've worked so hard to pass mm -hmm. on to the next generation, does it really have the ability to impact them now? Yeah, this is the the one way that you could actually, without a big immediate tax impact, allow for middle-class individuals and, yes. and high net worth individuals to pass on mm -hmm. their wealth accumulation from a retirement plan standpoint to their kids without having a major impact. Now, what the effect of this is, is that Congress is saying, no, 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 you're not going to stretch that out over a lifetime. We want our money in 10 years. And what that does from an investment standpoint is it totally destroys the, the wealth building effect yeah. of that money over time. It, it absolutely does. You want to talk about change in the family trees mm -hmm. when when 401ks became available and people started getting into those the irs and the rest of the government agencies didn't have the foresight to look ahead and see this coming but what has happened is people are changing their family trees because they're working they're putting money into their retirement plans they're at the time of retirement many times uh, transferring that over to a traditional ira mm -hmm. and then when they're done with it when they pass away it goes to the next generation and it enhances enhances the wealth of the next generation. Yeah. And frankly, the IRS is looking at it and saying, we should have had our hands on that years ago. And now it's going to take us another 30 or 40 years to get, you know, all of that money exposed to taxes. By golly, we're not going to allow it. So they're forcing it within a 10 year time period. And you mentioned shortly, but I want to highlight this too. You talked about attorneys. Yes. If you have a trust and you had a spendthrift, spend excuse me, yeah. you know, clause in there, this affects you because yes. now you can't control from the grave that distribution. That's right. So you spent a lot of money on that trust and may not be able to utilize it. Well, 
and, and let me say on that, I'm glad that people did it. We mm-hmm. still don't know what's going to yeah. happen. Right. You know, in the in the meantime, we don't know what they might grandfather in if you pass away before this goes mm-hmm. through. We have no idea the impact. What I would do though is be aware that this act is where it is in, in the course of things in Washington, and pay attention. And if your attorney contacts you next year and says we need to do some rework, you need to pay attention to that phone mm-hmm. call. Beyond the tax consequence, I think about the psychology of this too. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the client who was just going to take the four hundred dollars yeah. and make a car yeah. payment. You know, you could you could obviously say, well, you have to take it out, but you could put it back in. Yes, and four hundred dollars a month, I'd probably do that mm-hmm. if I have got a million dollar inheritance oh and now gosh. I've got to take out a hundred thousand dollars annually. That's a different psychology altogether. A lot of people are going to have a hard time putting all that money back. Yeah, in. they are. They are. So that's a big down. Uh, down part to that as well. So if you look at one more thing, we've got one more provision in here before uh, we step aside for our final commercial break and come back with James Lang, who's a contributor for Forbes and has written about this SECURE Act. When it comes to the 401k provisions, it says the legislation specifically frees mm-hmm. 401k providers from any hard obligation to pick the lowest cost products, allowing them wide leeway to consider a range of of factors. So let's focus in on that. Obviously, cost is not the only issue, but you know, the 401k doesn't come with a lot of advice. That's right. And it's typically a pretty low cost vehicle, but that's the thing. It's it's low cost because it's often required to be. Yeah. Cost mm-hmm. should be relative to value. Yes. And if you're not going to get the coaching and the benefits through the 401k, which most places do not truly have available to them, then the cost should be very low. Rel- yeah. You know, again, it's got to be relative to what you're receiving. But let's do the, the gen wealth game of follow the money on this mm-hmm. and, and think about why this is such a big deal. Okay, if they say cost doesn't need to be a primary decision factor in the 401k, that's because they want to put annuities inside yep. of the 401k, which we talked about earlier in the show and the reason we would not be fans of that in most situations. So annuities are provided by insurance companies. And we've also talked about, we talked about th- this during one of the breaks just mm-hmm. while we were off air, we talked about the fact that because because the IRAs are going to have to be paid out in a 10-year period of time, then if somebody really wants to pass along X amount of money to the next generation, if they can't do it through their 401k slash IRA, then they're going to go and buy an insurance policy. So the annuities benefit the insurance company. The end game of buying an insurance policy to pass to the next generation benefits the insurance company. Now, let me be clear. We do a lot of business with insurance companies. Mm -hmm. I I am a fan of insurance for the right purpose, for the right reasons, for at the right time. But this whole bit of legislation here, I'm telling you, follow the money. The deal is insurance lobbyists are pushing for this. And you as a consumer, you as an investor have to understand what is for your benefit and what is not. Mm-hmm. It certainly makes a, a whole life policy or a, a cash value life insurance policy a more attractive alternative to someone who has their eye on enriching the next generation uh, with their wealth. And we're it, not fans <clears throat> of that type of policy. No. And, and and so, you know, you, the, the philosophy would be, okay, if I've got to spin down this IRA over, uh, you know, my lifetime or what have you, and, the, and then my, my kids have to inherit this and then spend it down over 10 years, then the the more tax advantage thing to do would be to buy a life insurance policy because right. life insurance proceeds are tax free to the beneficiary, and so you have a situation here where Congress has is, has crafted a law that actually does favor one particular investment, if you will, over another, or one particular financial instrument over right. another in the terms of, of tax planning and what have you. I think it just totally uh, strips away a lot of the the uh, commitments, if you will, that Congress made when they when they created all of these tax-deferred, mm-hmm. tax-deductible uh, vehicles. They were trying to get people to save money, and they dangled the carrot out there of, of tax deductions and tax-free uh, buildup of money. But now they're going 
going back on that and they're really taking that away and saying, ah, no, we want you to do something different. And I think that's mm-hmm. just changing the game uh, in an in a inappropriate way as people are nearing their retirement age and baby boomers are right in the thick of things when it comes to retirement. Well, every action has a reaction. And I don't think this, I think we pointed out today that this Secure Act at its very best just complicates matters yeah. for folks trying to mm-hmm. enter retirement. And it does highlight the need for a plan and a plan that is mobile, a plan that is also uh, fluid and can be changed over time to react to the possible changes with legislation. You know, that's not something we often talk about. We talk about markets. We talk about volatility, longevity. We talk about those things, but a risk out there is sometimes a legislative risk. That's right. uh, For sure. So, if you are listening today and you're thinking, boy, my head is kind of scrambled uh, listening to all these potential changes, know that nothing has changed yet. It is only past the House of Representatives and is sitting in the Senate right now. These are possible changes coming to your retirement. And if you would like to talk more about your specific situation, if there's something we said today that kind of rang a bell for you and you, you realize you don't have a plan, you can set up an appointment with a Gen Wealth Advisor by calling 501-653-7355. Again, it's 501-653-7355. And on the other side of the break, we'll be interviewing James Lang, an attorney and CPA who has written for Forbes about the Secure Act. Are you following us on social media? Search for GenWealth on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at GenWealthFA so you don't miss out on behind-the-scenes photos, money tips, and informational videos. The Get Ready for the Future show will be back after this. We're back with more straight talk about retirement, investments, and your money on the Get Ready for the Future show. Lifting the hood today on the proposed SECURE Act that has made it through the House right now, stuck in the Senate. And we are joined in our final segment today on the Get Ready for the Future show by Jim Lang. Jim is an attorney and a CPA. He has authored a new book called The Retirement Plan Owner's Guide to Beating the New Death Tax. The book takes dead aim at a plan by Congress to change the laws regarding how your kids might have to deal with it when it comes to inheriting your retirement plan. Good morning to you, Jim. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. We uh, appreciate the time, and we do want to start off again. We've mentioned this a little bit during the broadcast today, but we do want to reiterate to our listeners that uh, this is a proposal uh, that has passed the House. We do not know when slash if it will ever become law, but you did uh, tell us right before we started recording that there is now a consensus building that it's not going to be anytime real soon. Uh, it, it's Of course, it's unclear. I would not want to make my living trying to predict what Congress is going to do. On the other hand, before I thought it was pretty much a done deal. Now, I still think it's better than 50-50 to pass this year. I think in the long run, for most of our viewers and listeners, it will likely pass in some form before they do. So this information, if not 100% immediate attention needed, is still excellent long-term planning information. Jim, you have called the SECURE Act a stinking pig with a pretty bow and a betrayal to all retirees with money. What's the biggest problem here? Well, the biggest problem with the act is, despite the the bow that we can talk about in a minute, is the pig part, which actually forces, subject to exception, the beneficiaries of IRAs or 401ks or any type of qualified money to withdraw that money and pay income taxes on it within 10 years after the IRA owner's death. And this results in a massive income tax acceleration that I think is a betrayal because for years and years, people have been told, put your money in your IRA, put your money in your retirement plan, and then after you pass, your children or your heirs can stretch it or defer the income taxes for their entire lives. Then late in the game, after people have been doing it for 30, 40 years, Congress says, no, we changed our mind. We want roughly a third of it within 10 years of your death. So I think that that's kind of dirty pool. And it's hurting not the multi-billionaires, but it's hurting the hardworking folks who put together a quarter million, a half a million, a million or two or three million dollars in their retirement plan, often the majority of their estate. 
What do you see as, you know, you've called it kind of a big money grab. Is that really the motivation here? You know, they've, they've offset that a little bit with the promise that, of raising the required minimum distribution age, but is this just a big tax revenue grab? Is that the motivation behind it? Well, it's hard for me to judge what the motivation behind it is. It's not clear to me that all the people, I think it was 417 to 3, or some, it was some overwhelming vote in in the House of Representatives, it's not clear to me that the people who voted on it even understood the massive income tax acceleration on the heirs and how much it, it is hurting, you know, the IRA owners and the IRA owners' family. Um, if you wanted to be cynical about it, you could say, yes, it is a massive government grab of money owned by, let's say, the heirs of the middle class. Um, and then they put a little bow on it and make it seem like they are the great champions. I know you mentioned that people have had this you know, tax deferral option for a little over 30 years and they're kind of coming in late in the game. What is your observation about the backstory of the timing of this legislation? Well, we, ha- we had a good chance of it passing. And when I say good chance, not a happy chance, because to me, this is a miserable thing. Um, but we thought that this was going to happen in 2017, when the House Finance Committee voted to, I think, 26 to nothing to recommend it. Uh, it's not, again, I don't want to try to judge what Washington is doing, when it's doing it, whether it's political. I do, I do think that the reason it was fast-tracked uh, before the summer break was so the legislators can come home and say, hey, look, well, look what we did on a bipartisan basis. We passed this marvelous act and you're not going to have to take a minimum required distribution until you're 72 and then a few of the other things that they're touting as good. Um, but in terms of the timing, it's hard for me to really know what what Congress is doing if there is some ultimate plan. So, Jim, I've been pretty vocal about this, as have you, about it being a a big grab of money. And it it appears that a lot of the positive things out here are just uh, little coins that they're throwing at the public in order for them to get their attention on those small things so they actually do get uh, the big tax grab that, that you've talked about. Speak to the uh, to the kind of insidious nature of that, if you would, and, and how that is is really doing a head fake to folks that are in their baby boom years and they're headed toward retirement. Okay, so let's say that, that you are, let's say, in your 60s and you're thinking about your long-term future, both for yourself and for your spouse. And right now, under existing law, you have a minimum required distribution of your IRA, at 70, if we're going to be technical, April 1st of the year following the year you turn 70 and a half. And, and then you're said, hey, this new legislation, I don't have to take any money out until I'm 72. Well, that's nice. I can keep money in the IRA longer. I have, if I'm retired, I have additional years to make a Roth IRA conversion. And that actually is, to me, the most positive thing of the act. If you are still working, another little bonus of the act is you can still put money in an IRA. But again, for the guy who has a million, two million, or even $500,000 in their IRA, the advantage of those little bows, if you will, um, are far outweighed by the disadvantages of the income tax acceleration after the IRA owner's death. So that's why I call it a stinking pig, which is the massive income tax acceleration after death. That's the stinking pig part and the uh, let's say two years of additional deferral on the minimum required distribution. The fact that you can put in a couple bucks in your IRA after 70, to me, that's the, the little bow on the stinking pig. We're just talking with Jim Lang, an attorney and CPA. He's also a contributor for Forbes and has written articles about this uh, pending possible legislation called the SECURE Act that could make changes to Americans' retirement savings plans. Is there any upside? Uh, you, you, you mentioned the small little bows there, but is there any true upside, any benefit uh, to the legislation as you see it? Well, the upside, again, the minimum required distribution till 72, that is that it certainly helps, and that will help my clients. Um, if we talk about one of the one of the responses to the act and what you can do about it, one of those responses is a series of Roth IRA conversions. If you are retired and you are facing minimum required distributions at 70 and a half right now, 
the extra two years can be very helpful. So that is nice. And then they're talking about, you know, you can now pool some of the 401k money that might reduce costs a little bit for the small employer. But I think that those, all those little things are really very minor compared to the big issue, which is the massive income tax acceleration. And, you know, let's say some of the viewers and listeners here might understand some of the implications of it, but I think the broad public does not. And I've done calculations that show sometimes the difference to the heir who, let's say, has a job and has a, let's say, a normal life expectancy might be the difference between having $2 million when they're in their 80s and being broke. So this is a big deal. Jim, you mentioned the life insurance companies and and what have you. I think if this legislation goes through, there's a great incentive for people who are mindful of what their legacy is going to be to begin to downplay IRA savings and really more emphasize the purchase of long-term cash value life insurance to to be their uh, legacy vehicle. Well, I think that life insurance is going to have a um, – will be strategically a more important tool than it has been in the past. There was an old life insurance strategy called pension rescue, where you used to take one or 2% of your IRA, cash it in, pay the tax, use that money to buy life insurance. And the life insurance companies would tout that as a great thing, and they would would, um, show projections showing the difference between that and doing nothing, and it looked pretty good. But those projections often assumed that the beneficiary was going to cash out the IRA after mom and dad died. Now, with the new law, and I never used to think that was fair. I used to say, hey, you know, why don't you just assume that the beneficiary is going to do the appropriate thing, which is to defer it. If the beneficiary is no longer able to defer it, then those projections on the life insurance is actually going to come true. And I don't want to comment on the particular type of life insurance. But I will say that the tax-free world, um, which is life insurance and, say, Roth IRA conversions, um, is going to be a more important role than the tax-deferred rules that we have had for so many years. Jim, we are about out of time. I do want to give you an opportunity. How can people uh, inquire about your new book? Uh, they can go. They can either go directly to Amazon or they can go to my website. You can get it on Amazon for $0.99. Cents. And, and even that is being donated to charity. Uh, I think it is important for people. And I have, I think, a fairly good explanation of what you can do now and then what you can do if and when the, the law does pass. Jim Lang has been our guest today on the Get Ready for the Future show. Thanks very much for spending the time with us. Thank you for having me. If you missed any part of today's interview with Jim Lang, you can check our Facebook page out. The interview will be posted there. And if you missed any part of today's Get Ready for the Future show, you can always follow us on iTunes or Stitcher and listen to our podcast. If you'd like to schedule an appointment with a Genwell Financial Advisor, just pick up the phone and call 501-653-7355. Again, the number is 501-653-7355. We're out of time for today's show. We hope you'll join us again next Saturday morning. Have a great weekend. The Genwell Financial Team is available to you 24-7 at info at getreadyforthefuture.com or call our offices at 844-869-PLAN. The Get Ready for the Future show is a production of Genwell Financial Advisors and opinions expressed are not those of this radio station and are for general information only. You should personally consult a financial advisor before making any investment and no strategy can assure success. Genwell Financial Advisors is an Arkansas registered investment advisor with securities offered through LPL Financial. Member FINRA SIP. See you.